everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Jack Jensen for another episode of the Patty G Show. I am so excited to get to speak with him about everything that he's done over the course of his career, learn a little bit more about the behind the scenes of his business and just talking entrepreneurship and growing brands from the ground up in general, and maybe even when it's time to look at other brands to expand your reach and your portfolio. So for those listening, we're about to get started. I just want to remind y'all that we've got some great sponsors on the show, and that is Alvarez Construction. We are super happy they came on board a couple of weeks ago, and we are loving it. And let's get into the episode. So Jack, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Taking the time to drive you're one of the out-of-town guests that drove in, so I'm very appreciative of your time. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. Good. So what, what is it that you do? What How do would I you do? describe yourself? So I'm retired, uh, retired about six years now, um, but still very active in the day-to-day, talking to the, the movers and shakers of my companies, uh, just kind of more now, more now than ever giving, giving advice Sort of like uh, been there, done that type thing. You know, guys, I tried this 10 years ago. It doesn't work. And, <laughs> you know, just advice basically at this point. Yeah. You know, so Preventing them from repeating the mistakes repeating the you've mistakes made along that, the way. That I've made along the way. That's right. That's so right. you've got quite a portfolio with some similar brands, but some different brands. I, yes, exactly. So what we, what we decided to do in the 80s, I started a company in 83 with one truck driver and knowing that there were a bunch of trucking companies in the city of New Orleans, we had to be different. We had to be different in that everybody can drive a truck and everybody can get a truck driver to do it. Well, we got in, immediately got into the warehousing business. So we started trucking, then warehousing, and offering a lot of different things. And when I say trucking, Patrick, we are just doing port-related business, Port of New Orleans-related okay. container business. So I from th- like, it comes into the port, comes into the port on a ship and it might get, go into my local warehouses or it might go to a company in Birmingham or a company in Baton Rouge or a company in Lake Charles and we'll deliver the container there and the container has to get back to the ship. And that's basically what we do. We run about 150 trucks in the city of New Orleans now. We have 25 or 26 in Mobile and we run about 30, 30 trucks in Baltimore. Okay. So that's our locations. Um, and over the years, we've always concentrated on import-export products. So in the 80s, late 80s, 89, we had a customer that was importing birdseed. And birdseed was coming in from Ethiopia and India, and it had to be sterilized under USDA guidelines. So we had to hire a guy to create a, a heater for me, a, a dryer, to sterilize the seeds so the weed seeds wouldn't grow in the country. So we did that business in New Orleans for two or three years, and we had to move it to Baltimore because of freight reasons. The ships weren't calling New Orleans anymore. So we opened up in Baltimore, and today we're doing 55,000 tons a year of birdseed. Wow. You know, we're importing 55,000 wow. tons a year of birdseed, and we sterilize a product, we bag it, we then ship it out to customers, and so that's what our birdseed company does. So it's very diverse portfolio of businesses, but all related to port, all related to right. import-export. Our, our export company is, is our TCI Plastics. You know, we package the plastic chemicals from the, the chemical companies up and down the river. They ship it to us in rail cars. Then we load the, the plastic into super sacks or 50-pound bags, and we load it in containers for export. You know, wow. and that's, that's our business. Um, another, another diverse company, very diverse from trucking, but... It gives us trucking in the end, you know. Yeah, I mean, because you do. I'm, I'm in you, a trucking you, business. Yeah, I mean, you've got trucking 
is initially when I think of somebody driving a truck, it's driving down the interstate, it's driving down highways, delivering these products, but you're taking products from directly off the ships or rail, putting them in your warehouse, repackaging them. More or less, that's right. And then distributing them out. So it's, you've got, you've gone from one business of just delivery only to now we take the products, package the products, and then re-deliver the products that's a, in the new form. Exactly right. So look, we got a company, we just, we being, being in packaging, we know how to move product. And in the last three or four years, we've been handling um, chicken meal, Okay, and it's all the parts and pieces left over from the the chickens that are then dried into a powder. So we get eighteen wheeler trucks, we get eighteen wheeler tank trucks, which bring us these these the, the meal in powder form. We package it and we export it down to South America, Central America for fish feed for food, fish food for the salmon plants and uh, the Chilean bass plants who are actually stocking you know stock growing this fish and it's fish food and it turns out it's 60, 70 containers a week, you know? So that's what we wow. do. I mean, it's just, it's, it's homegrown business and what we're doing, you know, just like our granite business. You know, we started with New Orleans and, and uh, gee whiz, right after Katrina, 2007, I think, six or seven. And we started granite business and we got 19 stores today. We're bringing in 250 containers a year. I'm sorry, a month. <laughs> the train, the train got my the train attention. Two hundred fifty, two hundred fifty containers a month from which goes into New Orleans, Houston, and uh, Raleigh, uh, Richmond, Virginia. Wow! So, so two hundred fifty containers a month, a month, just for the Granite Company just alone. Just the Granite Company alone. So how many containers will y'all touch in a month? 20, across 20, across 20, all of them, twenty thousand probably. Twenty thousand containers a month. Yep, a month. Wow! My trucks are touching that many containers a month. Wow. That's and it's and it's our business, customers' business, and also we knew that there were again. There's a lot of truckers in town, and they're after everybody's after the same business. So we figured if we controlled, if we created our business, my trucks would work. Yeah, I didn't have to go out to the other companies, the other companies like TCI, my company, to to do this. We knew that if I had the trucking business in my hand, I could give it to my trucks. Yeah. And that's why, that's why we're so su- successful with the trucking business. So how did you get into trucking I graduated initially? I graduated from UNO with a degree in management um, and was working for the railroad right out the bat. I got put my resume in and it was right at deregulation. All the trucking companies were laying off people. And uh, I remember going putting my resume in and they didn't want, and, all, and the stack was four inches high of of, of uh, uh, people trying to get a job of resumes and they took mine because I knew nothing about the trucking business. They wanted to teach me the trucking business their way. The railroad did. So they didn't want a seasoned person coming in with their own ways, Correct. their own habits. It was, we can take this young guy. Make it fresh. Make it fresh and do it our way. That's right. So I went in, learned that and worked at the railroad a couple of years and then went to work for a container company. And then in 83, I started my own company. Wow. I had, had, um, my son was born, Cindy was, Katie was just born. My second child was just born. And I said, I went home and told Cindy, I think we're going to start a trucking company. And her comment was, well, what happens? I said, well, (laughs) if it fails, I'll go back to, I'll go back to work for another trucking company. And we weren't worried about it at all. And we never looked back, never looked back. So how did the, the rail company take that when you went and told them, Hey, I'm out of here. I'm going to compete against you. It was deregulation. 
they were clueless. I mean, they really were, they were in the rail business. So when you say deregulation, what deregulation what exactly do you mean by that, that meant that the, the uh, FMCSA and the uh, FMC and DOT were letting, getting, letting their hands off of the regulation of the rates of the trucking, just like they did the airlines. Got it. Okay. All of the above. So therefore the, the, everybody was cutting rates and the railroad wasn't in that business. They were in the rail business, but they were moving their cargo. And it just eventually didn't work and they closed it down. I had left before they did, but I saw the handwriting on the wall and knew I had to either get with a bigger company or another company. And then, then finally realized I had to start my own. Wow. So then how do you, when you initially start your business, I mean, you have to get a truck, right? Well, so how do you funny story, <laughs> what, funny story. Well, so, how do you get into say, I want to go buy a big truck. So before I was in the trucking business, I worked for the, for, for the trucking couple, one trucking company in the railroad. I used to call on his company and I won't name the name. I used to call on his company. Him and I were really good friends. He's since passed. And he, he had about 17 or 18 trucks and him and a, he had a partner and him and a partner. Earl was the smart guy and his partner was the truck guy. And all I ever knew Dwight to do was work on trucks. He was always outside fixing trucks. And I didn't have the money to go buy a truck. So what I did was I, I contacted a couple of my guys that were working at the railroad who were driving. I said, look, why don't you go buy a truck and come work for me? I'll get you the business, but you got to maintain your own truck. And hence the owner operator. That's the owner operator came to me and that's how we started. So today we run about 75% owner operators and about 25% company trucks. And for people that may not be aware, what is an owner-operator? Owner-operator owns his own truck, takes care of his own tires, his own fuel, his own insurance, his own taxes. He's an independent contractor that works for us. He can work for whoever he wants. Uh, we just happen to, be, the ones we get, we happen to keep because we always have the business. Right. So, uh, and that's what an owner-operator does. He can take his truck and go work for Joe Blow if I get slow. And that has happened over the years. They got to work. And then we have our company trucks who I own and we put employees in them. Yeah. So we have two types, you know, two situations where we'll always have a truck working for us. Right. I and mean, with the employees, you, you know, you've got them for consistency. That's right. That That's it's, right. That if all of our owner operators are gone, we've got X number of people that can still get the product delivered. That's right. That's right. So how do you compete as a young company, young entrepreneur in the 80s going against these massive trucking industries? Well, if, again, it was a niche what I was in. These big containers just started in 79, 78, these big massive trucking companies didn't know what a container was. And for them to turn that ship around and get into the container business, it was mid eighties, late eighties before they figured out what was going on with the containers. So I'm already in the business in 83, knew how to handle a container, knew what the, what the procedures were, how to handle them, how to get them unloaded, how to get them back. Cause you only have a certain amount of time to get to use their equipment. So massive charges come if you keep it more than four or five days. Because the the company shipping still owns the container. That's correct. They're just you just have a trailer that it clamps down on, and then you deliver and bring it back. That's correct. And actually, back then the the steamship line supplied the trailer. Oh wow! So I pay, all I had was a, a driver with a truck, and that's all we ever had to buy. And that's you we, pull up, hook up to their equipment, come home, and had to bring it back. And these big trucking companies didn't know you had to unload them, so they would take them to their Michigan location and. 15 days later, it comes back, well, you owe 30, 40, $50 a day to Marge. And oh, they wow. just got, and they just pretty much left the container business alone. So it was, it was open. It was, it was, I, it was a niche. And, and I just, I really was aggressive as a young kid going after the business, you know, and all I remember fighting, not fighting against, dealing with and 
everybody looked at me, you'll never make it with owner operators. And I'm like, that's the only way I can make it. And secondly, you guys are living off of what you had. Nobody's out there getting new business. And I was out there hustling. Yeah. I mean, especially, had hustle, you know? especially as a young, a young kid. I mean, you were how old when you made that shift? 26. So 26, you said, I'm leaving a stable rail job. I mean, that's rail correct. is pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty stable, stable job. you know, stable job. And you came home, you've already had kids in the house. You've got a family that you've got to feed. That's right. But you still said, I want to make the shift. Two people had to get paid, the IRS and Cindy, exactly. my wife, had to get paid. She had she had a household to run and never missed a paycheck. Yeah. Never missed a paycheck. And so, so for, for you as an owner-operator, it's you've got the connections of making sure the deals happen. And so long as somebody can bring a truck, you can give them right. as much business so as I you had, want. So I had one driver for maybe four or five months, and then another guy came. Then we another guy came, and then we hit, a, we hit a, one guy that had – he said, look, if you hire me, I'll bring my six guys. So right oh, away, wow. we grew up to like 15 trucks in right at a year. And man, we operated with that for a long time. And then, uh, you know, we were operating, doing very well. Um, business was good. And then Katrina hit. You know, Katrina hits us. And I get a call from the port director. And he says, look, I need you back to work. I'm like, well, we got a, half our trucks are flooded in the Ninth Ward. I'm like, go find some trucks. So we went to... We had a leasing company that got us trucks from either somewhere up north, brought the trucks down, and we went back to work right away. And everybody remembered that, that we came right back right after Katrina. And from Katrina, our business just tenfold. Yeah. Tenfold. Because I mean, at that point, you're one of the only businesses in town operating. Trucking, warehousing, yep, yep. Yeah, and so within that, y'all are doing just short commutes all, or pretty is much, it? <clears throat> no, it's pretty much all local. When you say short, yeah, local. Well, it's like, it's, it's a, day, a day turnaround. Day, nobody slept out over the road. Gotcha. Everybody went to a spot, came home the same day, well, and sometimes I, twice. And as an owner operator or an employee of a trucking business, that's appealing. When you tell them, hey, look, you can come work for me, make the same amount of money you're working wherever you are, but you could sleep at home with you your sleep, wife and kids. That's right. And, every night. And the people were all local <laughs> guys. The, the, the drivers were all local. St. Bernard, New Orleans East, they were all local drivers. You know, and they didn't, they wanted to be home every night. Now we had a few that wanted the long runs and we gave them to them. We had them. So, but mostly majority of them to this day still driving our home every night. That's incredible. And it's that's, really, but the port is so big. Yeah. And look, I've said this a thousand times, but for the port in New Orleans, I'm not in business. Really? That's how important the port in New Orleans is to the state of Louisiana and probably four or five other states surrounding. I mean, we're a huge, huge money concern for the, for the, Entire area. The port is very important. Yeah. I mean, that's where the last, is this port in New Orleans, is that the last port going down for certain size ships or? That's the last port that can get up river. With, okay. So nothing can get to Baton Rouge because of, the, because of the bridges. Now we're actually stymied at the Mississippi River Bridge now because the ships are obviously getting bigger and bigger. So we just announced that the port of New Orleans is opening up in Violet, Louisiana. So we just spent a bunch of money. Uh, buying property, and we just spent a bunch of money uh, on a deal with St. Bernard Parish that we're going to open up another port in New Orleans down. It's, we're going to call it the Louisiana port, and it's going to be down in Violet, Louisiana. Gotcha. So you've got these truckings, but now you've decided that you've seen this window into warehousing. How do you, A, make the leap, and and B, secure land right on the, I mean, right on the river? I mean, you would so, think that's already gone. Well, so back up a little bit. So getting the warehouse business, so look, we would rent we would rent whatever we could rent. We we were rent out there renting uh, the best. We were out there renting warehouse space to put our cargo in. I mean, you know, we were so you, you get a building here, building there, and we ended up with you know two or three, four different local sites, 
and we're, we got, I got an operation in each one. I got a manager in each one. I got a fax machine in every place. I mean, it's killing me with the operating costs. So in, in 07, late 06, 07, the port, which got hammered from Katrina, needed to sell property. Oh, and I'm, okay. I was in a position where we want to buy property. So I ended up buying the first, uh, the first time the port ever sold land and hasn't since. And it's, we, we ended up at this point in time, we now have about 90 acres we bought in front of the port down on, down on France Road. So 90 acres, what does that turn into warehouse space? About How a many mi- buildings? Right now, a million and a half square feet. Wow. So it's like six, six buildings, seven buildings. And that's that's a lot of real estate. It's a lot of real on estate a, on a river. I mean, a prime port city. It's, I mean, it's that just doesn't. It, it doesn't, just doesn't exist. Go. It doesn't exist. And every facility is is rail has rail in it, so we can do rail business as well. So one, you know, we're, we're unloading rail cars, we're reloading rail cars, we're receiving rail cars. There's a bunch of stuff we're doing on all the locations. And so, how do you, I guess, build the company to scale to handle that volume of work? I mean, because you're now. You started off with just truck drivers, owner-operated. Now you're in people working through these buildings. Now you're acquiring the buildings. Now you're repackaging it's, it's stuff like, coming in. It's not like we went out and got. It's not like we went out and got thirty forklifts. Yeah, one forklift at a time. And first off, you're buying used ones, <laughs> and you're getting the biggest, the worst junk you could find because that is all I could afford. And then you band aid them to keep them running, you know. And and then what happened was these these forklift people, forklifts got to be very expensive. So then they started leasing them. So you can, the same note you were paying to buy them, you can lease them. And you just, it just grew, Patrick. It just, it wasn't like I said, okay, guys, we're going to grow to, I need 50 forklifts next month. No, it was one at a time. And and that is something that I like having repeated time and time again to young entrepreneurs wanting to start a business. It just takes time and you grow organically. That's it. You grow naturally. You didn't say, hey, let's get a buttload of loans and let's buy 20 buildings at one time, hire 300 people, and let's just explode. We hate, I've always hated debt. I only grew when I could. Yeah. Had to pay for the growth. Um, you know, I remember, I remember talking to one of my bankers one time, and I told him, I said, look, I need 30 grand. He said, what do you need for us? I need 30 grand for computers. And he was like, damn. If you need that for computers, just, just to keep, and, I, and I, he, he threw the money at me because he knew how more efficient we would become with the computer systems. And it was like, it, it was just organically. It just, just grew one at a time. I mean, look, we started Triton with one store in New Orleans. Yeah, I was about to. Immediately, immediately opened up Baton Rouge. Then went to San Antonio. And then, then we, you know, just through, through organic growth, inside growth, we ended up with 19 stores today. You know, so it, it, we're looking at two or three more and just can't get enough, just, just busy as, as can be with the granite company. So what what made you go into the granite company now? I mean now you're so now you're actually purchasing products and not and we, just and repackaging. So you're now, now you're so now we were trucking a lot more. So we were trucking granite to a customer in Mem- in Saint- in Memphis. Okay. Okay. So we're bringing his containers up there, and Christian, my oldest son Christian, and and an, another guy that worked for me said we need the guy up there said you need to get in the granite business right now. It's blowing up because of the storm. So. We go up to Memphis and we actually bought a franchise. We actually paid to buy a franchise and opened up the, we had the three locations. It was going to be New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and San Antonio. We didn't open them up all at once. And Katie was just graduated from UNC. She was, she was in actually in Europe at the time going to school with Merskline. And she just said, dad, I want to come home. 
there's nothing over here for me. There's nothing here for me. I want to come home. And so Katie came home and started started with Rachel, my other daughter, and doing Triton Stone. And, you know, and, and so, we, so it's, what, 12 years, 15 years, I guess, it's in business. And we're 19 stores later. Wow. Yeah. So y'all going into a franchise is different than starting something from scratch. What is so my something goal, you kind of learned through okay, that so my goal, process? My goal for the, for the granite company was TCI gets the truck into the containers. Okay. So you're going to start bringing in these containers. I want, that's just another customer for me. And then they became the retail outlet. I didn't get involved in it. That was Christian and Katie that I'm right. Think of this. I'm regrowing TCI because of Katrina. Yeah, you, right? you're having I'm to busy. bring in trucks from up I'm, north I'm that were affected. I'm busy in, in keeping employees working, keeping trucks working, keeping forklift operators working. I told Christian and Katie, y'all got to make this work. Yeah, I can't give you any time or energy right now. I'll give you the money to do it. And we did. Yeah. And it happened and it went. It worked great. And, you know, 15 years later, that's where we're at. Wow. So yeah. it was just kind of this, we'll, we'll, we'll buy into the franchise asterisk. We want our trucks to deliver. That's right. So we, we don't want to have to bid out to and get then, contracts or award contracts to other vendors when we have a perfectly feasible trucking right. company right so here. At that time, I think there were probably seven Triton stores, six Triton stores. Actually, it was one, and then they grew three or four more, and then we had our three, and we did the trucking for all of them. And then maybe five years ago, maybe, we bought the fran- – we're now the franchisor. We own all 19, and there's still two or three out there that we don't own, but they're still members of the franchise or dis- distributorship. So well, what led into that decision of deciding to go we upward? Were, w- what went upward to buy the franchisee was we were so big – you know, we got to be the Y'all specific branches. We got to be so big and we were much more efficient than they were. And they realized they were just going to go down to South Florida, run three stores down there. And we bought the rest of the stores from them. Wow. So that's how it worked. That's how Triton worked out. Yeah. I mean, that, cause that's not a, also not an easy decision. No, it was not. A, it was, and look, it wasn't a smooth ride. They, I bet. they didn't like us at all. We was, we were the elephant in the room. I mean, we, we were gobbling up everything. We were taking sales. I mean, we were just very aggressive at what we were doing. And, you know, we started surrounding people and they just said they had to, they had to get out, you know, type things. So. Well, cause in, in, in listening, you know, we, we know each other outside of this, you know, you're an uncle in law to me, but for those not listening, it's a family business. Absolutely. Triton Stone. It, you know, it Triton is, Stone is a family and business. And so when you come at, as a franchisee, when you're as a franchisor, you're looking, oh, great, this, this person is buying this. Oh, wait, now they're kids. All right, now there's like a family business running. That's a whole unit running this business better than I can. That's absolutely and right. And then it's as the family, you become so aggressive and so wanting so much more to grow the brand and grow the business that it just organically happens. And naturally, like, hey, why are we still a franchisee? Why don't we look into that discussion? But then, like you said, you hit roadblocks. So, and the only reason we have... And I think the word is distributorships that we have three left only because they're not interested in selling to the brand. But everything we're doing now is when we open a new, so- new store, it's going to be our store. We're not we're not really opening it up anymore for uh, members. It's strictly us. Right. So and somebody comes to you and says, hey, we've got a great location in Dallas or something. Why don't you come up in a store here? Or can we buy in? Say, we'll open a store we may hire you to run it, though. So there's a, there's a group in Dallas that own the Dallas stores, and they want us to buy them. And we're like, no, because we don't like the way. And we're going to open up in Dallas. but And they have to take the Triton name off their building. you know. So we're opening up right next door, actually. 
you know, and wow. we, we offered, we try to do, but it just, but it, it, that stuff happens, you know, it's, everything's not going to be the smooth road, you know, so. Yeah. And I mean, and how do you kind of overcome those, those challenges of having somebody who's not willing to budge and they're you saying, just, no, we're, we're using your name. We're here first. Yeah. You just, you know, you just, you just, again, you just operate, you know, we're going to, that's our decision. We're going forward with it and the chips fall. Yeah. See where the chips fall. Wow. And so now y'all are doing much more than just bringing granite in. Now you're on the retail and personalization and construction and Sinks all that. and faucets and toilets and tubs and tile and just everything we're doing. And uh, it's a one-stop shop for everybody to come in and get what they need. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Y'all are, where are y'all at in Baton Rouge over here? Florida. Florida Avenue. Florida. Florida. Okay. Is that it? I think. Florida. No. Choctaw? Choctaw. Yeah. That's it. So y'all are over there and it's it's growing, it's doing well? We bought, yes, it's actually one of our better stores. We bought the old Sterling Boat Shop on Choctaw. Okay. It was, he had closed up right after, right, he closed up right after Katrina, lost everything. And we bought the building and it's, it's, it's doing wonderful. Baton Rouge is doing wonderful. That's excellent. New Orleans is doing very good. Yeah. Our, our busiest stores are Texas, San Antonio, and Austin, and Ar- Little Rock, Arkansas, of all places. Crazy. Don't, don't even wait. ask. I don't know why. Little, little know. Rock, Arkansas. Maybe nobody had granite and everybody's trying to get it now. I don't know. <laughs> no one has touched any homes in Little Rock, know. Arkansas in Maybe years. Everybody's rebuilding, I guess. I don't know. Just funny. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So you've raised your, your, your kids in kind of this entrepreneurial mentality household. It was. What is the dynamic of a family business. I come from a, a family business. I grew up in a family business, so I'm aware of the dynamics. And sometimes, especially now that we're getting older and siblings are in the business, they think their idea is better than mom and Paul's. And how do you kind of balance that? We're still family members, but well, the business has to run. I think, you know, they grew up, I guess they grew up. Look, I, I, I made breakfast every morning. I was home every night for dinner. There was the moments when I wasn't. I mean, you know, I coached soccer, Four or five kids. And I think you said, don't hit the microphone. <laughs> he said, don't hit the microphone. Here I am. Bam. So, you know, I was there. For, I was there. And I think it just, and we talked about it at the dinner table. And I think they got, they got the gist. They, they got it, you know. Um, everybody's not a leader. I got workers. And my youngest, Monica, did not come to work for us. She's an airplane pilot, went to Auburn, got her degree. And she's an aviation management degree. And then she flies planes for AirMed. You know, she, that's what she wants to do and very happy for her. Yeah. Look, we told every one of them they weren't working for us. Everyone. And everyone, <laughs> Christian comes in, he's working in a warehouse. And then just one thing led to another. Yeah, and so, it's that, it's that we're not, you're not coming in, you know, at top dog. We're not. No, you've got to no. prove start. yourself. We've got to yeah. start. Yeah. Which, yeah. from a family business perspective, or from a business perspective in general, it's you want to see that as an employee you want to see if somebody's going to grow from the family. They come in and they're doing the dirty work with That's you. right, with us. That's you know, right. they're, they're doing the dirty work with everybody. And it's I not just sticking forecl- somebody in there. I unloaded containers. I was on forklifts till 10 o'clock at night sometimes. You know, had to jump in. You know, we had to do it. And like, I, th- I think you were, you were telling me a while ago, you were, people, people would say, hey, can you get this done? You said, I'm going to get it done regardless of what has I'll to happen. I'll get it done. That's right. And that's a differentiating factor of the trucking company and the granite company is just, Whatever it takes will make it happen. And as a family business, it's on you. That's right. Because it's you can't just go home and say, oh, we're closed, shops down. Nope, we've got to deliver these products and, and this stuff, and you got to do it. And you don't know how hard it is to close when they tell you the storms are coming or the, the railroad tracks are closed. And it's so many things out of your hand, out, out of your control. 
and we're like, we're missing days here, you know, yeah. and that's, that's the, the feeling amongst everybody. And it's still a family business. Right. It really is. And, and it's portrayed that way throughout all the companies. So a lot of the guests here are from Baton Rouge and it's Baton Rouge centric. You're from the New Orleans. Born and raised in New Orleans. Area. Right. Something that is a topic that we haven't been able to discuss with a lot of Baton Rouge people is Katrina. What did Katrina do for y'all's businesses in New Orleans whenever it came and hit? Well, it really devastated the port. Uh, ships were debating whether to come back, customers. Um, we lost our, lost large percentage of our trucks that were underwater in the east. We did have a few, few trucks, maybe eight or 10 that parked in Elmwood that were saved. Uh, what did it do? I think it, I think it, a lot of companies went out of business. The right. older local trucking companies went out. And of course, we were there to pick up the slack. And that's pretty much how our growth came. There was, there was old blue blood truckers in the city of New Orleans. I mean, guys that had been doing it for 70, 80, 90 years. And there's still a couple of those guys left, the guys that were able to change. But the rest of them just pretty much weeded out, if you will. Just right. had enough, basically. Well, And, and that kind of translates into a similar situation we're having now, but on a global scale. You know, with Katrina, it was centralized. That's right. The, the, pan, the, the issue was just in New Orleans. It affected the surrounding areas, but New Orleans took the brunt of that disaster. Yep. And now the whole world is going through a disaster together through the pandemic, through, you know, the coronavirus and everything that's happening with it. How do you, after going through Katrina, were y'all, do you feel you're better prepared for this pandemic or was no. it, you know, it doesn't really affect us because of the line of business. Well, first of all, I'd have had, I'd have had uh, pandemics in my insurance policy. <laughs> I would have, I don't know, you know, <laughs> right. you know, and then they automatically said no flood, no wind, no rain. We're not covering anything. If it's, if it's handled with, you know, so the insurance companies always, right. and they always kept pandemics in there, which we were like, what's a pandemic? Now we know. Right. Now we know. But guess what? It'll never get put in your policy and you won't be able to get it. But no, we were never, we never prepared for COVID. Never. Um, and it, it hurt the trucking companies. It hurt the packaging company. Triton was booming. I, 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 people being home, renovating their homes. I was, I was about to say, I'm from, you know, from, for example, my day job is in accounting, right? And we have a lot of different clients in a lot of different fields and a lot of different businesses. Our restaurant clients, when they closed, or bar clients, whenever they close, they can't get that business back. Never. From an accounting perspective, your financials still got to happen. Your tax return still, still has, has to happen. happen. But on the flip side for y'all, everybody was home and was like, oh my gosh, I hate our bathroom. Oh my gosh, I hate our kitchen. That's it. And people said, if we're going to be spending time home, let's build it and renovate it to what we want. Because before, when you're working and you're going nine to five, you're never home. And you're in the kitchen I, five minutes. You're in the, exactly. I think I spent collectively last week three hours at my house that I was awake yeah, because I was working or not home and it keeps going. And so for everybody else in the normal day to day was probably experiencing a similar, probably not three hours in a week, right? but you know, they were experiencing a similar, I'm not home. I'm not using my kitchen, the sink leaking or the faucet not working. It's fine. It's fine. But when you're stuck at home and you have to cook, that's right. Because you can't go eat. You can't go, do takeout because for a while it was like two or three weeks, like everything was closed. Close. You, you, had to, you had to cook. A, you had to cook. Yeah, you had you, to cook. And so it's it makes sense that it's like, you know what? Let's and, every, just, and every Triton store was up. 
Every, every store was up. And then, you know, you go to the trucking side, the ships quit coming. Exactly. The Port of New Orleans, we, we lost all of our cruise business. So huge, huge loss to the Port of New Orleans this year. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you, you're talking three cruises a week from four different companies. You're, you're talking 20, 12 ships, 15 ships a week. We yeah. lost. That's a lot of revenue. We lost the port. And that, and that, then the, that whole industry just. Then the containers from Europe out. didn't come. The Asian containers didn't come. And But I'll tell you, in the last three weeks, it's been crazy. It's still, well, people are starting to get it's, back. It's booming. The people port. are, it, they now have to, they've probably figured out a way to work through the pandemic. What safety measures do we have to implement I think it was to four, still get the products across? 14 days, we, the, sh- the port handled, 14 days, I'm sorry, 15 days, the port handled 14 ships. Wow. That's big business, man. Yeah. That's big. So that's, that the numbers are picking up again. So that's good. Which, which, which is great. You know, it has to. We're, we're, we're starting to see slowly, not everybody, because nope. not, not everybody's coming back. That's right. Some businesses are starting to see they figured out the workarounds or they figured out the way to work safely. They figured out the way to give their products to their customers in an efficient and safe manner. That's right. And now they're starting to come back. Right. Restaurants are slowly starting to claw their way back. Bars are fighting for it. Yep. They're doing what they can to get anything in any realm of revenue coming right. in. Right. But for businesses that were like, <laughs> he hit the mic too. Sorry. I'm not the only one. Um, but they're they're starting to see this slow, slow roll, return, slow yeah. roll yep, back to reality, and so it's good to see that people are starting to bring stuff into the port now. Sure, I mean, but you have to with everybody at home can't go out Amazon. I mean, that everything online, everything, and so when a lot of the stuff is made overseas, you got to get it here. Got to get it, you know. Yep. And Amazon's developing a distribution center at Old Cortana in Baton Rouge. So now that's about to explode because it's, I don't know the exact stats, but like the numbers of online orders in 2020 have skyrocketed and now it's just going to continue to climb. Sure. So now now it's how do businesses adapt to that online climate? That's right. If you're a retail outlet. And it all has to come in by a container or by ship. Yep. Basically. Yeah. So that's, that's good to see that the port is starting to pick back up. It is good. Business is starting to get back in. It is. It is. So you, you, you've done a lot of this stuff and now you led with your retired. But you're not really retired. No, I'm not really retired. Listen, I, I, I talk to him daily, actually. Uh, in the last two or three months, it's been not been not it's been it's been a good busy with them, you know, with the kids just and that's, you know, rewriting insurance policies, helping them with that, uh, keeping the bankers in line type thing, you know, and keeping them online with us uh, and just helping them with major decisions, you know, and just and they, it, it is what it is. The phone, I'm, I'm answering the phone all day long. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, and, and I still have 30 year old employees that want to talk to Jack. So call me, <laughs> you know, the phones, call me, call me, you know, so. And that's something I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they see what you, you say retired. It just means you reach the age of retirement. No, it, means, <laughs> it doesn't mean you no, stop it, doing anything. What it means, I don't go, I have it. I don't go in the office at all. Okay. I mean, if I go, if I went in there five times last year, it was a lot. Wow. Yeah, seriously, because of, of the way we can communicate. Yeah, I mean, you, you, know? don't, you don't have to go in no, the office. No, you don't have to. Everybody can call, email, text, whatever you, you know. We, all our port meetings are Zoom, you know. Uh, we haven't had, I haven't seen the port people in a year, basically. Yeah. And I mean, since, I mean since, since May. Right. You know, so, um, so it's all by text or phone. Which is, you have to. Yeah. Every, I, everyone has had to learn how to use technology. 
I just couldn't deal with the day-to-day trucker problems, the day-to-day warehouse guy running over his foot, you know, that type of thing. Those days were done for me. I, I just, I said, that's enough. I'm, I'm going to stay home and y'all handle this and call me when you need me. Yeah. Some of the more, the bigger picture stuff. Yeah, that's right. Like, hey, we're looking into branching out that's into right. this new avenue. Hey, what do you think about opening up in Dallas? Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And, and on that topic, how do you look at new cities? When you're looking to move, whether it be Triton or TCI, what do you look at within a city to determine if it's going to be feasible? So what we do first is we send in a tool van. Okay. A tool van is a van that sells all the cutting tools for the fabricators. And depending on his sales to the area, and also while he's doing it, he's also trying to sell slabs. When he gets to a certain revenue of tool sales, we know that area can handle one of our stores. Okay. So that's pretty much how we do it. Now we just, we're just opening up our first standalone tool store in Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. So only, only, only tools. tools. There's 17 people in Charlotte selling granite and we're selling a lot of tools and we don't feel like jumping in to see who's going to get to the bottom first on granite sales. So we're just going to sell tools. Well, it's like the story of the, I forget the guy's name, but during the gold rush, Everybody was trying to go out and mine gold, and he set up shop he's and started selling the tools to mine the gold. Selling shovels. Yeah, he's yeah. selling shovels. Perfect. That's what we're doing. We're selling the tools to cut the granite, yeah. and y'all can fight it out for the granite sales. We're going to go to where granite's more more margin, and we're going to start selling tools, which are great margin for us. Absolutely. And we gotta, we, yeah, so, it's, so, that's, that's, so that's just another venue we're going to start doing, you know, standalone uh, standalone tool sales. And if, 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 you can, if it can stand a granite sale, we'll do it. If not, we'll move on. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that make, makes sense. You yeah. want to you wanna get your feet wet. That's right. Especially at this point in the game. And get your name out there. Make sure that people know who you are. To make, look, we come with a stellar service. That's all we can offer. Make sure the product's right. Make sure the product's price right. And give service. Deliver it when you got to deliver it. Fix it when you got to fix it. You know, stand up. And that's, that's that helped. And I mean, that's with everything. Is, everything. It's customer service. Customer it's, service. I don't, I don't care what business you're in or what product you sell, or it's what custom. you do, you are in customer service. Customer Accounting, service. it's customer service. Customer service. Shipping, it's customer service. <clears throat> Restaurants, yep. customer service. Everything is customer service. That's right. Flashbang producing the podcast, customer service. Customer service, yeah. You know, it's what can we do for the customer to make the product better to then retain that customer and have them coming back. Yep, that's so it. Within you doing all these things, everything focusing around the port, it almost kind of makes sense that you would take the next nat- natural step to be on the board. So, yeah, it was one of my, you know, one of my backs, if you will, or paybacks. It's a not paid, unpaid position. I felt that my 35 years, 36 years in the business in the Port of New Orleans, I felt that I could lend something to the board for the next generation. You know, look. With we have we have some we have a great group of guys and women on the board with me, and um, I enjoy being I enjoy knowing what's going on in the port, you know, and I enjoy explaining to them what we're doing, what's the pros and cons of our next step type thing, and it's just been very very rewarding, very a lot of fun. I think I think I'm in my heading into my third year, and you know it's it's a five year gig, and one of my goals was to make sure that we started this new port down in Violet. Or be part of it, and look, it's that's that's a five to seven year five to seven year fruition thing. But right. right now, we laid the groundwork to get it started, and that was the key. Because look, the the ships are getting bigger and bigger, 
and our facilities on the river under the Mississippi River Bridge cannot cannot handle what's coming. So we feel like by opening up Violet, we'll handle the bigger ships and still have the same port in New Orleans that we have today. Yeah. So we're talking all new business down at the Violet Port. Yeah, I mean, because you've got people are only going to continue to order more online, order more, and order more stuff shipping. And, and the world world supply of people is still still growing at a rapid pace, and the country's growing. Yeah, which I mean is great news. Great news. You know, it's, it really it's, is. If y'all were saying we don't know if we can keep the existing port open, would be a different conversation. That's, but the conversation no. is saying, hey, we need more. We need, we need more space. Well, at first, everybody thought, well, why are you closing up the port in New Orleans to do this? So, well, we're not. I mean, that's where these the, the middle 9,500 container ships can come into the port in New Orleans. But we're talking 15,000 container vessels coming into Violet. Wow. And we're not going to lose any business. We're going to double our business. That's incredible. Yeah, it really is going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible for the state. Yeah, I mean, because you've got to think about the jobs that it's going to take to run that port. Absolutely. I mean, you can Absolutely. only have so many machines doing what is going to be done, but at the end of the day, you got to have people there. Clerks and, and operators and crane operators and forklift operators, six, 700 people working on a riverfront down there. What? Six to 700 people is what they're projecting? That's what they're projecting. That's, I that's mean, another that, Kaiser aluminum for Chalmette. That alone is incredible. That's, it's incredible. See, look, the governor sees it. The governor sees what we're doing. He's, he's 100% behind us. You know, I, he's done a great job supporting us. It's been good. Yeah. I mean, that's anytime I can see a big business come in and bring jobs, you know, while, while, while people see the Amazon Fulfillment Center coming here as, oh, you're, you're, you're kicking the little guy. Yes and no. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're kicking small businesses trying to sell retail products, but that's just when you need to seek out the small businesses more. But on the flip side, there's got to be people manning that. Sure. How many jobs are going to be created by this fulfillment center? I mean, you got to think about how big the mall is. Right. Think <laughs> about a it. big space. Think about it. How, so, you, got, you can't, they can put as many machines in there as they want, but there will be people in the facility. So I, I heard, and I don't know how, and again, this might be a rumor, I don't know, but I heard they're taking over the old airport at, the port, at uh, New Orleans Airport, Amazon. Really? That's what I heard. Somebody, somebody made a comment the other day at a, at a Zoom meeting we were on that he heard Amazon's coming in to take over the old airport. Now, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if that's a fact, but we'll see, you know. Time, yeah, big enough time, will, time tell. will tell. Yeah. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yep. So, so. kind of getting towards the, the wrapping up part of the show, you've, you've done a lot over the course of your career and are continuing to do a lot. I'm sure you've kind of gathered many, many lessons learned along the way. But what are, what are three lessons you've learned that you wish someone had told you or you would like to impart on a younger, whether it be entrepreneur or even just a business person? Stay out of debt if you can. Don't go crazy in debt to get in business. Uh, keep it controlled. Um, take care of your people. Take care of your employees. Look, I got. I, I, I still have drivers. I mean, I have to drive. I have people who've been with me for thirty years still, and we we don't lose our people. We take care of our employees. We take care of our people. We take care of our our drivers, and. Be moral, you know, run a, run a legit business, take care of your people. You know, I pray every day, pray every day yeah. that we wake up tomorrow with a good business. Absolutely. It's, it works. Yeah, I've, We've been very blessed. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's recognizing those blessings and saying, hey, yep. we're, we're appreciative to be here. Very much. You know. And appreciate everybody that's been along for the ride. Exactly. Yeah, and very I've, much. And look, you know, I've seen, I've seen these households, I've, I've helped 
families raise their kids with their jobs work. You know, Absolutely. I've seen it. And I've seen, I've seen kids go to Catholic school that never would have went. I mean, the Catholic high school or a college that never would have went before because yeah. they, cause we helped them get to the, achieve that. And that's, I think it was, uh, it was Alvarez that we, that we had on the show and he was talking about, he, he really looked at it. How many mouths does their business feed? Yeah. And he's like, we feed four to 500 mouths. He's like, it's not just the fact that we've got, you know, X number of employees, but you have to consider the fact of how many people they're putting food on the table for. Right. I think the other day they tell me, I think we're up to almost 700 employees. Wow. 700 people working for us. Between like, all of the, all the companies? companies? Yeah. 700 like, people. It's crazy. That. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, but it's, but it's, it's. So, but, but within It's that, a blessing. Exactly. So you've got 700 people that work for you. That means. Work with us. Yeah. Work with you. Yeah. So let's say on average three people they're probably feeding. You're feeding what? Twenty one hundred people. I hope we have. We t- we're touching a lot of lot. We're of touching stuff. a lot of mouths. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff out there. That's right. So, but it and it, it's incredible to 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 recognize just how much of an impact what started out as one truck in '83 turned into. Never, of course, she. Don't, you never, don't, don't, you don't never. Tell, not sure, don't ever. I didn't wake up saying, tell oh, someone, hey, we're going to yeah. go have 700 employees. <laughs> I mean, no, it was one day at a time, one truck at a time. And that's what it was. One customer at a time. Yeah. And that's all you can do. And, and especially, I mean, you see a lot of people who are successful and they talk about what led them to be so successful or what led them to here. For a married individual, male or female, it's the support of the person back at home. You know, we had a question come up earlier in the Facebook feed of how did your wife feel about making this leap, you know, because it is, it's a partnership. She, she was more for it than I was. Really? Because look, every job I was taking, the two or three jobs I was taking, everybody wanted me to move. Jack, we need you in Houston. We then, SP Railroad wanted me to go to the West Coast. And she's like, the only way I'm going to keep him here is if he has, if he has starts a company here and keeps it here. And she was more for it than I, and she was more supportive I mean, look, I, I have confidence and it's a big step having two kids at home, just built a house and I'm going to quit and start a company. Well, she's like, do it. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, and she kept the books for about two weeks and we forgot <laughs> to bill everybody and we ran out of money. And I'm like, we got to change. I need to hire somebody. Yeah. And then I hired an employee and went from there. So. Wow. So that's. But she was very, very supportive. She yeah. didn't. She, she was not worried one second. Yeah. Which. But you, we were young. Yeah, you were you we were, were young, young and the, yeah, the risk the risk is was, low. Risk was very low. You know, That's and right. it's you got even with even with one kid, risk is still risk. moderate. When you start growing older and you start having more kids, then the risk goes up obviously, but hopefully you've had years under your belt to build something. Yeah, I don't I don't think I ever had a sleepless night. I really don't. There was times when I was worried about what's happening the next day, but look, I always felt I had it, you know. So Kevin Gardner said he loves you, by the way. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> How are you, buddy? <laughs> um, so what is something that's, I mean, outside of Cindy, what is something that's kind of kept you in Louisiana? What do you love about Louisiana? My roots. You know, look, I'm born in Gentilly. Went to local St. Rayfield School, went to Holy Cross, went to UNO. And look, you owe it to your community. You owe it to your people. I, I didn't, look, I don't, I don't want to move to Mobile or or. or, uh, or Baltimore. Look, I'll go visit. I'll go see my people up there. But look, you're from New Orleans. And when you say that, people's eyes lighten up when you say that. So I just feel very strong to the city. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really do. And that's, you know, the whole, the whole purpose behind the show was to highlight 
those individuals that stayed here, you know, that didn't didn't move off right. elsewhere, didn't decide, hey, let's make our our corporate headquarters outside of the Baton Rouge or outside of Louisiana. Right. You know, it's we stayed here because we love it here. I'm happy that my kids, you know, six of my five of my kids stayed. You know, Claire works for us up in Baltimore. Her husband works for the Secret Service. Monica's in in Birmingham working for the airline. And look, we stay here too, but. I got, I can't be, they have to move on. They have to spread their wings, you know, and I'm okay with that. Right. But I'm glad what I have here. I'm glad we have our family here and Cindy's family's all still here. You know, it's all good stuff, man. It's Absolutely. All, yeah, it's good stuff. So outside of business or maybe maybe in business, what what is something that you did as a kid that you wish you could still do today had no one stopped you? Hmm. Still be on a milk truck with my dad. Deliver, really? Delivering milk. So your dad was a... A milkman. Wow. It was, you saw people every day. You know, you saw, you saw your customers every day. You know, you were bringing milk. And, and look, if my dad, owed, if they owed my dad money, he still brought him milk. You know, he just, he wasn't going to let those kids go without milk. It's, it's things you learned. It was fun. It was a good experience. Yeah. Good experience. You're getting to interact with your customers every single, literally every and, single and day. I'm with my dad nine hours a day. My two other brothers, every now and then they would work, but I just felt very called to, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed getting up at two o'clock in the morning and going to deliver milk. I mean, we did every Saturday and every holiday, you know, we were on a milk truck. Wow. Fun stuff. So <laughs> I didn't, and I wanted to be a rancher my whole life. I wanted to be a farmer. <laughs> he, what drove you to be a farmer? My dad was from Iowa. He was a farmer and met okay. my mom at, in the Air Force at Keesler. And then they stayed, they got married and stayed, but just always felt like it was in my blood to be a you know, a farmer. I wanted to be a farmer or a rancher or something, but trucking called. So I did trucking. Yeah. And here you are. Here I am. Here feeding 2,100 people potentially. I guess. I guess. Didn't look at it like that, but you're right. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, you got six or 700 on the payroll, but you're really feeding a whole lot more. A whole lot of people. Yeah. It's well, good, good stuff. Well, for the, for the final question, what is something I can do to help you? Keep your age here in, the, here, here in the area. Keep your age. People graduate from LSU and from, you know, the, the surrounding colleges here in town. And I say town, their town. Take care of where they were born and bred. You know, take care of the Baton Rouge area. Take care of the New Orleans area. What do you, what, what's, what's, at, what's in Houston? I mean, you know, I, I mean, what's, what's in Minneapolis? What's in, in California? You know, you can do it right here. Yeah. So that's my thoughts. And it's, any, anyone who says they're going to leave and go somewhere else or uproot and go to Dallas or it's wherever tough. it may be, it's, you're going to move to a city you know nobody. And some people may like that thrill. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to rebuild your life. When you grew up here, you're born and raised here, you went to LSU, you went to ULL, you went to a Louisiana university within the state, you know people. That's right. You've got connections. The great thing about Baton Rouge, it's the biggest small town there is. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I can reach anybody I need to within two or three degrees yep. of connections. That's right. And you're not going to, you're not going to get that in a big Look, city. And it's not for everybody. You, you can't, yeah. you, it's not, but you got to think about it. You got to look at it. You got to think about it. If you have to go, you have to go, but your hometown is the best town. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Absolutely. So, and blessed to be able to do it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Jack, Enjoy for coming on. Much. I really appreciate it. Yep. I'm glad we got to get into everything we did. I learned a whole lot. I appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. So, and I thank everybody else for watching or listening, whichever platform you are consuming this on. 
And we want to do a big shout out to our sponsor, Alvarez Construction. If you are looking to have a house built, but more than a house to build a place to raise your family, check out Alvarez Construction and they'll be able to take care of you every step of the way, make you feel like a member of their family and just build you your dream. So thank you all for tuning in. I am Patty G, host of the Patty G Show here with Jack Jensen. Thank you so very much and y'all have a good one. You're welcome. Thank you very much.